702. The Africa Report with Crystal Odison. The Africa Report is brought to you by SAA, the ones who fly SAA's growing route network, now flying to Sao Paulo, Brazil, your gateway to South America. Good morning, Crystal. Good to chat you once again. Good morning, Ray White. Compliments of the season. Oh, and to you too. I hope you had a lovely Christmas. But you know, you've been so busy and thanks for coming on this morning and chatting to us because lots taking place or happening in Africa, including Angola. I'm talking about Isabel Dos Santos. All that money and things now not going so well for her. All that money, um, Ray, and I can imagine over the years you've been even writing stories about Isabel de Santos, you know, one yeah. named the richest woman in Africa. I mean, she was an absolute billionaire, and part of her wealth was, of course, um, because she was daddy's favorite girl, the former president um, of, late president of Angola, um, de Santos, and she was running everything from telecommunications to the oil company, shares in every possible thing in Angola. And when her father stepped down in 2017, um, that empire started to crumble because the new president, President Joao Lorenzo, simply said, we need to get our money back. And so for the past few years, Isabel de Santos has been in and out of court trying to protect her riches. And now in the latest battle, a London court has frozen assets worth about $800 million. And this relates to shares in the telecoms company of Angola called Unital. And it was quite a sophisticated share buying scheme and then, you know, using money of the company. And the Angolan authorities are saying, well, actually, we want our money back. What's very interesting, Ray, is that, you know, this family, the Dos Santos family, literally owned Angola. I mean, we're talking the sister, the brother, every possible family member had some share in the wealth of the country. And for many years, ordinary Angolans were simply saying that, you know, this the Santos family is simply taking the wealth of the country and making it, um, you know, their own wealth. And the new Angolan authorities, which of course led by President Joao Lorenzo, have simply said, we want our money back. And Isheval is arguing well, this is, of course, a witch hunt. They're targeting her. And what about the other, um, you know, people within the ruling MPLA? What about them? They're just simply going for him. And I, I think it's it's an interesting phenomena of African families. Um, and we've seen it in Gabon. We've seen it in other parts of Africa where they're simply accumulating wealth, thinking that they are just going to live their best life forever. Some do, in fact, get away with it, but I think, yeah, in particular, Isabel de Santos, because the extent of the wealth mm. has been so massive, raised that the Angolan authorities are simply looking at this big piece of puzzle and re-looking at all the deals, and they are now tracking the money. Of course, her money and assets have been taken from, you know, in Portugal, in other European countries, and now this latest is, of course, the London um, court. They've given her a few days to come back, and of course, she can challenge it, um, but she still argues that she's being made the scapegoat, um, and 
again, the Angolan authorities are saying she has so much money, she's got a PR machine, and, you know, they yeah. now just targeting the Angolan authorities. So it is interesting, I mean, uh, the Angolan authorities have really just been, you know, for the past few years since her father stepped down, and of course he subsequently died, have tried to look at this global puzzle and look at where is the money and they i don't think they're going to give up on finding that money yeah i mean she drew so much attention to herself and you're right crystal she had so much attention drawn to herself because she was so rich what does she expect and when it wasn't her money when it was ultimately ordinary angolans who have been suffering when it was their money in terms of the oil resources telecommunications etc and that just the Santos family thought that Angola was their own personal fiefdom. Yeah. Let's stay with Angola and just briefly, I mean, uh, Angola pulling out of OPEC. What's the latest on that one? That was quite, of a, quite a shocker, actually. In fact, quite a big announcement. Angola saying, look, we have our own local economic challenges. And with OPEC deciding to either reduce the amount that the country can sell, it's just becoming too complicated. And I think... I think Angola, given its own domestic issues, are simply saying, look, you know what, we've got these resources, we've got massive debt to pay, we are still recovering from, you know, post-COVID, um, high inflation, uh, debt crisis, we need to do, um, we need to go with our resource and sell it as we want. And the big club or the big boys, so to say, that is Saudi Arabia, can't dictate um, mm. to them. So I think it is going to be quite interesting, Ray, how this unfolds, because here yeah, is an African country, one of the big African producers. What does it mean now in terms of getting that resources out, selling it to which country? Are we going to get cheaper oil, for instance, as you know, yeah, we're in yeah. the Saudi region? Will um, you know, Namibia or the DRC be getting cheaper oil? What exactly is the semantics of that? I'm interested to understand that once you leave OPEC, what does it mean for your own production? What does it mean for your different markets? Yeah. And how does that relate to the bigger f kind of mafia family, so to say, because <laughs> that's what <laughs> in my head is OPEC. What does that mean in terms of buying and selling and also um, the impact on, on, of course, the global oil yeah. price? Good question. Very good question. All right, briefly, the DRC election. That was bumpy, wasn't it? It was very bumpy, and that's putting it politely, Ray. Yeah. Firstly, an election that was supposed to be over two days. People were still voting on Saturday. That vote count has started. I mean, we're looking at accusation of corruption. Um, it was a logistical challenge. It was also using technology. We people couldn't find their names on registers. It was literally an unscheduled extension in some areas. And now we see that the opposition parties and of course the 18 um, presidential candidates are all now crying foul and they're saying this election need to be now due to the alleged fraud. But so far we see that um, the president, incumbent um, Felix Chichikedi is leading the presidential race by about two million votes of those votes counted but if we look at 44 million registered voters it is quite a small amount but the big thing today ray a big opposition mm -hmm. um gathering being planned marches being planned across the country the government have said they're going to not allow it there's fears of violence and i think that is the big concern in the next coming days ray what is going to happen in the drc because clearly opposition parties unhappy it was 
a chaotic election. And so there's big concern that there might be violence and consequences happening. Gosh, let's see what happens there. Crystal Audison with the Africa Report. Thank you, Crystal.